Welcome to footballgameplan.com, where football makes sense. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook. Join with Teron Davenport, our football game plan analyst, who was, and we're here at the 2016 East-West Shrine game. And, and Teron, there were two practices today. Now, the plan was for me to be here for both practices along with you, and we cover both. But we had a little plane issue coming out of the Northeast to where I missed the first practice. I got here as the practice was ending, um, but you were here for day one, practice one. And so let's start there. That was the East practice. So what were some of your takeaways? And just off the general strength of the roster, you look at that East roster, they have a ton of guys. Let's start with the offensive side of the football. A ton of guys that, that have a lot of talent, a lot of production coming from the collegiate ranks. What stood out to you the most this week from the offensive side, uh, This I'm sorry, this morning, from the offensive side of the East team? Well, I tell you, offensively, one of the things I really wanted to see was how Keenan uh, Reynolds was going to be used. And he fortunately was able to take snaps just as a regular quarterback, not running the read option. And you got to see him throw the football. He had a nice throw to uh, Robbie Anderson on the comeback that was punched out of his hands. But, you know, it was good to see him actually play quarterback. But at the same time, he is here to show that he can play running back and watching him in, in the inside drills where he was able to find those holes and hit those small creases and get upfield, it was very impressive. So I would have to say Keenan Reynolds was probably the most impressive for me on the offensive side. Which is interesting because to me, I've seen, I feel like I've seen him run the football for four years as an option quarterback. If anything, I would want to see how well he can throw the football here because we know he can run. Um, and you said that so eloquently about how he ran in the inside drill. Now, throwing the football, that's something I think he is very underrated at. You mentioned earlier about him throwing the football and had, had a good day doing so. Um, do you think he's going to see a little bit more dual threat action or will they try to keep it more tilted toward him being more of a running back? I think he's going to see dual threat action. And if you're talking about here in this game, I definitely think dual threat action. In the NFL as well, I think that he will see some dual threat action. You see teams like Cincinnati running the Wildcat, and he's a guy that is a legit passer of the football. Mm -hmm. And it's something that you look at the game that he had, um, I forget which, who they played against, but it was the, the night of the Heisman. Okay. He had the nice it was the Army game. Army-Navy game. He had the deep throw to the receiver on the sideline, set them up to score a touchdown. The guy could throw the football, mm -hmm. and it's just so – it's messed up the way oftentimes when you got a quarterback that shows that he can do other things, you forget about what a quarterback does, and that's throw the football, and it's something that he can do. You made a good point about seeing him do that here. What's, what's the risk? You throw an interception in practice, so what? Mm -hmm. Let the man show that he can play quarterback, but unfortunately you have uh, these guys that want to you know, take a, a circle and kind of force it into a square block. Or even in this case, he could play running back. So you're taking a square and putting it in a, a square hole, so to speak. But uh, I would like to see him pass the football. He's very capable of doing that. It's unfortunate that um, you know he may not get that chance in the league, but he, he could definitely do it. Now, who stood out to you some, some more offensively for the E-Squad? What were some of your takeaways? Yeah, offensively for the E-Squad, a couple of the receivers. You know, I, I like uh, Tajay Sharp. He, he actually made a couple of nice plays post route, dig route. He showed the ability to catch the ball in traffic without worrying about getting hit. Mm -hmm. And that's something, I mean, we talk 
on the way over here about his size. You're looking at 6'3", 188 pounds. So he's he he needs exactly, a burger. <laughs> right, he, he's not exactly the most solid uh, wide receiver as far as frames considered, but he still showed the heart to catch the football. So Tajay Sharp definitely stood out. Uh, Chris Brown is a guy I wanted to come in and look at. Um, Brandon Ross ran the football well. So I would have to say Tajay Sharp was really a, a standout. Oh, and before I forget, Kyle Carter, the tight end out of Penn State, he caught the ver ball very well also. Um, Arkansas State, just to give you a sleeper, Darian Griswold, he had a couple of nice catches. He, he showed the ability to, to go up and catch the football also. Now, now, you mentioned Brandon Ross, and I'm glad you mentioned him because he was a guy that I talked about in, in the preview uh, of this week of a guy that, that I was interested in seeing and I thought had a lot of Alfred Morris-like skills. When I, when I saw the game, I was at the, the, the Maryland-South Florida game, and I just came away thinking, like, you know, this number 45, despite his number, you, you know, this number 45, <laughs> this number 45 can really run the football. And, and it's, not, it's, it's not flashy, it's not, you know, dynamic but when you watch him run you like you know what you can build an offense around him you can see him in a, a zone blocking scheme you can see him being a, a solid number two and just to hear you say I trust your eyes for talent he that he had a great day one I'm excited to see him tomorrow because again Brandon Ross I thought coming away in that game against a very solid South Florida defense and at that point in time South Florida I think was hovering around one in three and they made that nice run to get to a bowl game. But Ross had a very good day. Yeah, you know, you mentioned his fit in the zone scheme. Obviously, a lot of these teams are starting to convert to that. The thing that, that I noticed with, with Brandon Ross, and, and I, I saw a few of the games that I watched, always positive yards. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you always want from a running back. Obviously, you have guys like McCoy. Uh, Barry Sanders going taking it back where you know you'll get the negative and then you get that 70 yard pop but at the same time as a complimentary running back which you want someone who's always going to put you in a positive situation when it comes to second and five second and six third and three those are the type of situations you want to be in and as a running back he's somebody that could do that for now, one guy that uh, I didn't get obviously I didn't get a chance to see but I'm interested in watching tomorrow I'll look at the offensive line Another player I mentioned in a preview, that's Charles Viancourt out of Laval. And we talked about this, how, you know, we're everywhere. You know, you may see us at a at a game at Georgetown. You may see us out west. They see you out west at San Jose State. I was up in Canada <laughs> this past May at their east-west game, which is played before the season, which is interesting because it kind of forces those top prospects to play. You know, they, they don't have the luxury of sitting out because they're heading into their senior season. But – Valiant Court was a guy that stood out that week. And, you know, that's the biggest thing when they move over to the American game, um, the consistency of the talent that they face. You know, there's a lot of talent up north, but they don't get it as consistent as you see it, not only from game to game, but from down to down. So I'll be interested to see how he does uh, tomorrow from a physical standpoint, how he's able to hold up. Any, any quarterback stood out? <laughs> yeah. I mean, just to, to be real. You're being honest. And, you know, this Fraud Napier, I, I can't pronounce his name, the, the Massachusetts Amherst quarterback, his size looked good, but, I mean, no, there, there weren't any quarterbacks that really stood out. Uh, I wasn't impressed with them. On the East squad. On the East squad. Now, we'll talk about the West later. 
Yeah, we'll get to the West later. You look at the defensive side of the football, a lot of talent here, a lot of athleticism. Who stood out to you the most defensively? You shake your head, you smile, you, you, got, you got a lot to say about the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, you know, the defense was actually fun to watch, and it's interesting as a receiver, I shouldn't focus <laughs> on the defense, but I couldn't help it. And the guy that stood out to me, Justin Simmons, the 6'3", 195, 4-pound, ball-hawking free safety I really like the way he showed discipline. I was telling you earlier, in, in, um, it, you know, they're, they're running team period and they're running, they're doing running plays, heavy, heavy, heavy. They snuck in a play action and he didn't fall for it. You know, he stayed deep of the deepest of the deep and he made sure that that ball was not going to be thrown over his head. That's something you want from the last line of defense on, on your team. And I think that he's a guy that really could, could help a team out. Looking at him also, there was a play, uh, they had Chris Brown at the slot, and he was uncovered, basically, and they just gave Justin Simmons the chance to, to jump the seam route. He jumped that route, hit him in the bad spot in the hands, you know, he dropped <laughs> it. But the fact that he was there, and I mean, obviously it was a contested catch, so it was a little difficult for him to come down with it. But then a couple plays later, he came back, he carried Clark, the tight end, down the seam, undercut, it, undercut the route, picked it off, and. I like guys that, that are around the football, and that's why I really like Justin Simmons. I think that he's, he's going to be a solid safety for someone. Not a, a top three round pick, but he's going to be one of those later picks that you're going to see just gradually get worked into a team, and before you know it, it'll be a starter. 6'3", 194. So he's someone who stood out. Another guy, I, and I came in looking for Justin Simmons, but there's another Justin there, Justin Burris, a 6'1", 207. When I first saw him, I just I liked his size alone. But then watching him work in one-on-ones, watching him work in, in, in team period, uh, when the ball was thrown to him, he was very aggressive after the football. So I liked the way that he, he was able to do that. Uh, just another guy to look at, and this was one that you mentioned in your preview, uh, Antoine Williams out of Georgia Southern. And at 245, I was really impressed. 6'3", 245, I was impressed with the way that he was able to find his way to the runner. There were a couple times where Keenan Reynolds ran at the, the read option. I mean, you got to give him a chance to do it. So mm -hmm. uh, Charlie Weiss gave him that opportunity, and he was able to sort through the trash, track him down, did an excellent job there. So those are three guys that stood out. Victor Aki, another one, you know, did really well in, in the drills. Uh, they ran at the, uh, the drill, the circle drill. And it was interesting because the defensive line coach had him kind of scoop down and pick up the hat, his hat from mm -hmm. the ground at the end of it. And it really showed who was athletic and who was not. He did a really good job of, of you know, being able to get around that, that circle, you know, bend, lean into the, the curve, so to speak. And he, he was very impressive. Really good get off when they were going one-on-one. -on -one. Javon Hargrave from uh, South Carolina State also. So those are some guys that stood out. And, and I'm glad you mentioned those guys because, and I'll go in order, because you, you talked about Justin Simmons. I saw him twice uh, this year, Florida State and North Carolina State. And what was unique is that two teams that require you to do different things, and he played very well in both. Last year I saw him versus Syracuse, so I got a chance to see him three times. So I was very familiar with Justin Sim Simmons coming in and, and how well he can get from sideline to sideline. He's a long guy that's able to, to show that range, um, and he can play in the alley if you need him to. He can match up versus tight ends. He has a little bit of fluidity there. So you can see him as your second or third safety 
at the pro level. And you talked about Victor Ochi from uh, Stony Brook. And I told you, the first three plays, we saw him versus Elon. It was uh, Brandon London and I, who's out covering the NFLPA game, which kicked off this week, uh, their week of practices. And he'll have some updates for us uh, starting Wednesday when the media is allowed to practice, which is interesting, by the way. I, you know, the, you, you start practice on a Monday, but the media isn't allowed to, to be there until Wednesday and Thursday, and then the game is on Saturday. But, but it's interesting. I digress. That's why we love the Shrine game. Because they let you be here, they let you get your videos, they let you. Right hey, hey we we are here doing the thing with the Shrine Game. We love the Shrine Game people. Um, shout out to the Shrine Game. Yes, um, so Victor Ochi at the Elon game. Me and Brandon was at first three plays: sack, tackle for loss, quarterback hurry that forced an incomplete pass. And and I told you this at the second practice. We were trying to figure out whether or not at six two two fifty five before the game, we we talked about him on the ride to the stadium, thinking like, okay. We're going to try to see if he can be an outside linebacker in a 3-4. And we came away instantly like, you know what? Nah, he's a DN. I don't care if he's 6'2", 255. You look at Cliff Averill of the Seattle Seahawks. Similar type game. You, he just is comfortable with his hand in the dirt. And Hargrave, I think the, the nation was watching Hargrave. I want to say maybe it was the first week of the college football season. And before the FBS game came on that night, South Carolina State played uh, I want to say maybe Arkansas Pine Bluff in the in the five o'clock game, um, and Hargrave had a field day. So everybody was like, "Man, Hargrave!" But we've been on the radar of Hargrave for a long time, and it's good to see him out here uh, having su- success. And Georgia Southern's linebacker, you mentioned Antoine Williams, again that big, moving that fast, getting through the trash, finding the football, and making a play. He did this constantly, and um, and, and it's a great gift for the Shrine game. But I'm surprised he's not in Mobile. I think he's a, a very good player, but I digress. And, and and it was interesting. I see one guy on the list and that I will be, I will be watching tomorrow and Anthony Zetto from Penn State. Which, what was interesting was that I went in to see Zetto uh, earlier this year versus Temple when they played uh, Temple, Penn State Temple. Um, and that's that was my first introduction to Carl Nassib still in the show. Zetto plays solid. But Nassib stole the show. And so that's why you have Zetto, Zetto here. Um, and uh, now Lawrence uh, Staples, another guy I really like out of Florida State that I'm interested in watching tomorrow. Um, looking at the, Let's take some questions first. Uh, at Coach Altman WM on Twitter asked the question, how did Keno Reynolds look? I think you, you've answered that. Um, another question coming from at YTSE underscore ham. What skills – of an offensive coordinator are most translatable to head coach and what evaluation of an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator uh, matters the most in projecting them as a head coach? That's it. Well, I take the skills of an offensive coordinator and I kind of saw it all year covering the Ravens in balance. I think as an offensive coordinator, if you're going to be able to be a head coach, you have to be able to find balance on offense. And uh, there are times where guys will let situations dictate what they want to do, and, and that's not the case as an offensive player. Even as a wide receiver, I still understand and, and believe that there are times where you have to run the football. And I, I think really in order to be a head coach, you have to have that ability to dictate your game to the defense as an offensive coordinator. So I think that would be important. 
Obviously, as you see with some of the things that have gone on in the NFL with players quitting on coaches, you have to be a leader of men. Something I see firsthand throughout the season with John Harbaugh. Mm -hmm. you know, he does a great job. That team never quit or pointed fingers despite that season. But just to get back on track here, you definitely have to have those two qualities as far as the offensive coordinators are concerned. I, I would have to piggyback on that and say you're absolutely right. How well can you teach and manage? Because a lot of times we know this as former players, chaos happens. You may have a situation where everything you worked hard for all week, game plan perspective, you get out there on the first drive, it's, it's kablooey, it's out the window. Chaos, prime example, you look at Seattle. I'm pretty sure they prepared well for Carolina. They get out there and they're down 31 nothing. What happens? Sean McDermott, like, hey, listen, let's come out, let's – Get back to basics. They shut them out in the second half, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. if I'm a GM looking for a head coach, like, wait a minute. This this defensive coordinator was able to rally these guys, get them to make stops, force a couple of bad plays, three and outs, rally the troops, shut them out. Offensive coordinator did a solid job, too, getting these guys back. to. So, those are situations. How can you manage chaos? Because chaos will happen for a head coach. It's a, it's a given, and that's just the game of football. So we appreciate those questions. We got more coming down the pike. Um, but we're going to move on to the west side. Now, this is where I joined you at the party. You know, I came, was able to come to the west squad, and right off the bat, we both noticed, before we even, like, and, and, and I have to let everybody know, uh, we started practice, and we went our separate ways because I had the video camera. You know, you, you have your camera, you're walking around, you, you're observing. I'm observing while, while videoing. Then we met up on the other side of the field and it was like, hey, number eight is get off the bus ready. And that's Geronimo Allison from Illinois. And it was interesting because, and we talked about this too, team success and individual success is, is different because we've seen a ton of very good Illinois players in this game and there's a good bit of Illinois players in the Senior Bowl next week. But Geronimo Allison, a receiver at 6'3", 196, I thought he had an outstanding day catching the football and just running around. So he just looked the part of a receiver and actually played the part as well. I really like how he ran his routes. As I told you, it was very graceful. And it, was, it looked effortless. And he was, he was just gliding. And that's, that's what I like to see in a receiver, a guy who can run his routes with ease and just – in addition to that, catching the football, everything that he caught was all hands, and you never heard that that sound. It was always just that, whereas the ball just stopped at his hands, and mm -hmm. that's something that, that I really like. We were curious how it would convert to team period. He didn't make any catches in team period, but still, just watching him run his routes, it was on air, but he, he just looked really nice running the routes. So. That's the guy I'm definitely going to go back and watch. And like you mentioned, looking at this Illinois team, there were so many guys. So uh, Geronimo Allison is definitely someone someone to watch. I'm going to really uh, key in on him over the next couple of days. I'm hoping that we get one-on-ones tomorrow so I can see him go against some of these DBs. Who else from Illinois stood off to you? From Illinois, well, I mean, hey, we're going to go into the offensive line. With, you know, Let's look at the trenches. Ted Karras, he definitely stood out, 6'4", 307. He's a guy that uh, in one-on-ones, he had two straight pancakes. You know, that's something <laughs> I noticed right away. 
he wasn't allowing anybody to get to the quote-unquote quarterback, you know, the coach who was running the drill. So I, I really like him. And they even used him 6'4", 307, like I mentioned. It's nice to see a guy that size pull. They pulled him, and, and you know, he had no problem doing it, and they were willing to use him. really good to see a, a guard, especially looking at, you know, some of these guys here in one-on-ones and things like that. He really stood out in that. I mean, uh, and quietly, that entire offensive line for the West Squad had their day uh, versus the defensive line of the West Squad. And, and granted, a lot will be said, oh, well, they were slipping out there and, you know, they couldn't really get traction, and I don't care. The offensive line held their own today. They came out and, and was impressive. Um, another offensive player that I, that I thought, that well, let's say, I came in looking to see him do well. And um, and we talked about this at length. Daniel Lasco out of Cal, the running back. Tremendous player, but was constantly banged up. And we talked about why, you know. And it, it's funny because sometimes you may have to go to a different sport to find a comparison. And I'll let you talk about what, what comparison and, and why does it seem like Lasco – was ha, always had those nagging injuries. Yeah, we touched on the, the torque issue and you know how there's some guys when they make cuts and, and do things like that, they, they put too much torque on their joints and that causes them to have constant injuries. So when we were talking about that, one of the things I brought up was of all places in Green Bay, I met a guy who, who was one of the trainers for the Chicago Bulls and he talked about Derrick Rose and he said that he was convinced that Derrick Rose will never have a season where he's not injured. Derrick Rose, the point guard for the Bulls. And we, we talk about how he's a two-foot jumper. Mm -hmm. And just the way that, that he's he's so violent on his joints with the cuts that he makes and, and how he plans to jump and things like that, he always causes an injury. And that's why he has a lot of those soft tissue injuries. And then in addition, the, the Achilles, the knee, I mean, he's just putting too much. And that's what you're seeing out of this guy, uh, Lasko. And it, it's interesting. Because one healthy, as you mentioned, he's a, a, a very good running back. Nice size, 6'1", 205. So I'm curious how he's going to translate into the NFL once he gets uh, those top elite level trainers working with him. Yeah, he's going to do fine, man. I, I just hope, you know, he stays healthy. And I think he's going he's gonna to be um, impressive. We, we got a question here on Twitter from at Rolo Edits. He asked, how did Fon Cooper look. What's up with the West team? I heard they were doing nothing. Well, it's, it's a two-part question. I'll take the back end of the question. Um, they did something. They just did a lot of individual work. You know, and so and it was funny because as we packed up, it was like, all right, well, they, they're pretty much going to do all individual work. As soon as we set up the camera and started there, here comes seven on seven, here comes team, here comes inside drill. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So hopefully tomorrow, and plus it was getting cold out there, yes. and, um, and we were worried about the light. And you know I'm already a dark person. So if, if there's no light, then I won't be seen on camera. You know what I'm saying? So we need that light out there. We need a national, that natural sunlight to be out there. So they gotta get, they gotta get started earlier with their practices and what they're trying to do. But um, overall, they did. I, 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 uh, to tackle his first part of the question, I define Cooper look to you. You know, I didn't really get to see him to be honest with you um, in the uh, east part of it. 
I was primarily watching the, the skill players. I'll be okay. with you. And that's something that uh, tomorrow I'm going to look at more offensive line play. But I, I was focused. So I, I couldn't really answer that question for the, uh, for the guy today. But we'll definitely look at that tomorrow and, and address that for him. Now, we got another question from at FR. You guys in these doggone names. F R. I guess it's for your daddy, Cush. F-R-Y-E-R, daddy, Cush. Ask the question, who has been the most impressive quarterback? I think, quite honestly, if I had to pick one today, Vernon Adams out of Oregon. You know, I mean, I thought he threw the ball with zip. I, I thought he was the only guy that threw the ball with zip. They got there consistently, on time, accurately. Now, he threw it with all his might. You know, you see him put a lot into it, like he's going to turn his whole body. But, you know, from a day one perspective, working with these receivers, I got to give all these guys credit for being out here. I thought he threw the football well. So who has been the best quarterback out here for you? Yeah, I'm not even going to look at the East quarterback <laughs> in that uh, conversation. Um, I'll have to, if I had to pick somebody, I would probably pick Vernon Adams also. Sudfield was consistently behind his receivers. Uh, Brandon Dalton. Dalton, however you pronounce his name, he, he was not uh, overly impressive either. So I would I would go with Vernon Adams, and I think he's going to be interesting because he gives you that that excitement, that ability to make things happen when plays break down. So let's, let's look at Vernon Adams, and you know Jeff Risden made a nice comparison when I was talking to him. He said, you know, when I look at Vernon Adams, I see Allen Iverson, and I, I said, well, you know, Iverson was a beast. Right. So I, I can see that comparison. That was a good job by Jeff Rizzo. Uh, you know what? And I just retweeted a, a tweet, I want to say yesterday, from Iverson putting that, putting that pie out on somebody as a defensive back, <laughs> lifting him up off the ground. Um, but, uh, you know, Jeff, Jeff's a good guy. Jeff was out here today. Uh, Jeff Riz, follow him, too, on Twitter. Um, he does a lot of good work. He's tall as shit, too, man. Like, yeah. Jeff tall. You know, uh, think he brought the cold with him from Detroit. Uh, we talked about off the bus, Freddie, right? And, and we didn't get to see too much from the defense because they waited too late to start doing stuff. But off the bus, Freddie, and the guy I'm just interested in seeing is Devondre Campbell mm-hmm. out of Minnesota. We talked about this. You look at him. There were two guys that were off the bus, ready. One on defense in, in, uh, in Campbell from Minnesota, Devondre Campbell, 6'5", 240. He just looks the part of an outside linebacker. You you think, okay, this guy will always set the edge by how he looked. And offensively, uh, Colorado. Colorado's offensive tackle, Stefan uh, Nimbot, number 77, 6'7", 320. I mean, when you get off the bus and you see him, you're like, you know what, we're going to be in for a long day. I don't care what position he plays. He looks like a football player. And looking at that size, 6'7", 320, I was expecting a little more one-on-ones, but he really came alive at the end of the practice when he started working the screen game. And to see that size move the way that that size moved and able to break down and block a defensive back in the screen game, that was really impressive to me. And that's what stood out as far as he's concerned. But looking at Campbell, you look at 6'5", 239, and he's a long 6'5", and a solid 6'5". He has long arms too. so. He's it's almost like God said, you know, I'm going to build myself an edge set. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's what he's building this guy. So I'm definitely going to really watch him this week. He moves well, too. You know, he was mm-hmm. pursuing the, the slants and 
uh, rather the, the screens really well also. So that's going to be interesting to, to watch. Um, before we move further, though, one of the guys is talking about the end of practice, uh, Aziz Shatou. He really was getting off the ball. I don't know if you got to see that, but there was one play uh, during team period where he almost took the snap from the – Wow. He, he was right there. He almost took the handoff from the quarterback. You know, they had to blow the whistle, stop the play, because he was, he was there too quick. They got pen, penetration on the next play also. So he's someone I'm going to watch. That's one of my sleepers on the defensive side. And I like how he's built, too. To me, he's built a lot like Anthony Chiquillo from Miami last year, a guy that can play a five or can play outside as a, you know, a strong side defense or even a weak side defensive end. I also took a look, uh, a look at a, a guy I saw, um, again, in May, uh, when I was up in Canada, out of Manitoba, um, another CIS guy, uh, Ibuka Onyemata, Onyemata. Um, strong. I, I mean, a lot of the offensive linemen today for the West have problems with him with his bull rush. Now, with that said, you want to see a counter, um, but coming from the CIS, where they question your strength a lot because you don't see the consistency of the strength across the board. I thought he held his own today, a guy coming out of Manitoba. Um, any other defensive standouts before we before we wrap this up? No, there, there weren't any. Uh, I'm definitely going to look for Luther Matty. I, I want to see what he could do. Uh, he's a guy that I watched a little bit. He was one of the guys I featured in my, my draft spotlight. So I definitely want to see what, what he brings to the table. Uh, your, your guy. One of your your, your uh, friends in, in the business mentioned Missouri Western State corner Mike Jordan. He's another one we're going to look at also. So no one necessarily stood out, but at the same time, there wasn't really opportunity for that to happen mm -hmm. because of how the practice went about. Hopefully tomorrow they work less on technique and, and the individual drills and more on just team overall. Well, I'll tell you what, they're, they're well coast on that side of football, so I wouldn't be, I wouldn't expect anything different. You got Jerry Glanville, you got uh, Tim Cumry, Cum uh, I'm sorry, you also have uh, James Fuller. So those are some great defensive minds on that side of football, so uh, we know they're going to get after it. Now, a few more questions we have before we wrap up, and this is coming from, I think we kind of answered this one. Uh, at Maddie underscore OS, he does a great job with, with optimum scouting. He says, with regards to Keenan Reynolds' change of position, what did you see from him at practice? So I think we talked about that a lot. Um, again, I, I, if it were me, people don't understand how hard it is to throw a football. So if you're able to do it consistently, you're a quarterback. You know, everyone, let's say, for instance, LaDainian Tomlinson, right? You give him a football to throw, he can throw a halfback pass, right? Great, touchdown, crowd goes wild, you know, bolt up or whatever they do out there in San Diego. Um, right, you know say, the teardrop or the teapot, whatever it is, right? So, but can you trust LaDainian Thomason to do that 25, 30 times a game? No, because he's not a quarterback. That's the difference. Throwing the football can be easy. Throwing it under duress and trying to find, that's probably – one of the hardest, and when you just you know screwing around at practice, and, and you picking the ball, they're like, all right, let me let me line up at quarterback and see see how this thing work. And you see these dudes running at you, you're like, wait a minute, I gotta try to find sack, you know. So it, it's tough, man. So I, I do think he's better suited as a quarterback, um, but we'll talk about that ad nauseum throughout the draft process. So this was the first podcast, day one, practice one and two.
Um, Teron and I will be here all week. Gene Clemens, Chris James will be here as well throughout the week, and they'll sprinkle their thoughts their thoughts in and, as well. But uh, follow Teron on Twitter at tdavenport underscore NFL. Follow me on Twitter at fballgameplan. We'll have a podcast again tomorrow. We'll also have our video recap both morning and afternoon practice. So we got a lot of content coming from you guys, and we may even throw a mid-practice spreaker podcast like we did for the Senior Bowl last year. Uh, yeah, the round table action. We might huddle up with some scouts or some or whatever. We got a lot of good things planned for you guys this week. But thank you guys for listening. Hit us up on Twitter if you have any questions. And we are out. We'll see you guys tomorrow at the 2016 East West Shrine Game.